Hey, how's it going? My name is Brandon Larition. And I'm Dylan Haywood. Have you ever wondered what it's like to be caught in the middle of a tornado? Well, you're in luck. Stay tuned for today's episode to find out. Hey everyone, welcome back to the first official full-length episode of the Out of Tune podcast. I'd just like to start off by thanking everybody and all the support that we got for our first sampler episode. It's really great, all the views and everything. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Yeah, today we're going to be talking about um, a few different topics, uh, starting off with what we're listening to this week, what got us into music, our favorite lyrics that we've written, today in music, our first rigs, like guitars and pedals and gear and whatnot, the five albums we would take with us on a desert island, some tour stories, and of course, gourmet cooking. So on today's episode, we also have a special guest, uh, a good friend of mine who I haven't seen in quite a long time, Mr. Jesse Haywood. Jesse, how are you? I'm not too bad. How are you guys? Doing well, man. Just uh, tell everyone a little bit about yourself and who you are and kind of stuff like that. Well, not only am I the bass player of Hollow Body, I am also Dylan's brother and a very close friend of Brandon's for about 11 years now. You could say maybe those were the best 11 years of your life. Oh, 100%. Like, the however many years before that with Dylan were just awful. And I'm sorry to hear that. Real sorry to hear that. It's all right. Cool, man. Well, welcome to the podcast. I'm just happy to be here with you guys. Okay, so we're going to step into our first segment, which is um, what we're listening to this week. So for me, I haven't actually listened to a lot of music since we recorded the sampler. So um, I decided to throw on a a music-based movie. Um, If anybody out there has seen the documentary film... um, Dylan only listens to the sound of music. <laughs> <laughs> no, I couldn't remember the name for a second, but it's uh, it might get loud. So this is a uh, documentary featuring Jack White of the White Stripes and his own solo stuff, Jimmy Page, and uh, The Edge from U2. You don't know who Jimmy Page played guitar for? Yeah, he played guitar for Led Zeppelin. I know who he, I know who he is. Um, originally, he actually Pretty played well. for Cream. That's not even kind of true. Either way... Um, so it's just them sort of like sharing their sounds and and stuff like that. If you haven't seen it, I really re- recommend it if you're a guitar player. It's on Netflix too, so it's uh, an easy oh, one it? for you guys to find. It is. Oh, okay. I mean, I have it on DVD. So. It just got put on Netflix not long ago. Okay. The intro scene is awesome. It Jack White builds a guitar out of just a pickup, a nail, a plank of wood, and a guitar string. And he plays with a Coke bottle as a slide. It's amazing. And yeah, it's just, it's actually where I learned how to actually play um, Seven Nation Army. Because he doesn't play it in like a standard tuning. He plays it in open A, and the E string is drop A. Oh, that's cool. And then he plays it with a slide. It's just the E string is in A? Yeah, but everything else is in open A. So the tuning is from um, the heavy E to the, the small E is um, A, A, G, A, C sharp, W, uh, E, I believe. Yeah, W. I was at um, a show in Missouri last year, and there was someone that had built, um, it wasn't just like a plank of wood with a pickup. It was like the same idea, though. It was a piece of wood that he had like stained and made it look nice. And uh, he had a Coke bottle, and um, he had a couple strings on this one, but it was the same idea as what Jack White has built. And uh, I got to try it out. It was a really cool thing. Yeah, it's it's so sick. I thought about making one myself, but like pickups are like eighty dollars, and I'm not gonna do it. Go buy one just for that. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, Jesse, what have you been listening to this week? Uh, it's older stuff. Like came out a couple years ago, but uh, I think they're a very underrated. Canadian band from Edmonton and that's 10 Second Epic. 10 Second Epic. Yes. Yeah, they have an album, their latest album before they um, broke up was called Better Off and there's a lot of good songs on that album that I think like if you're a music lover and you like kind of heavier just alternate music then listen to it like they went from like a pretty pop punk band playing with like lights and stuff to this album and the album was recorded by the guitar player of the Matthew Good band 
and it is awesome. It's just a really good album, and again, it's 10-second epic, better off. I remember a few years ago, um, I guess it would have been quite a few years ago, you would show me that song every day that's 10-second uh, epic featuring lights, and then have you heard of the band Royal Tusk? Yeah, it's the guitar player, the bass player from 10-second epic, and the guitar player actually hops on uh, the mic, and the bass player is just playing bass, who's awesome, Sam. Yeah, they're cool. I saw them at um, the Phoenix Concert Theater in Toronto with Dear Rouge last year. And then uh, after the show, I played chess with the bass player on oh, his really? iPad. He's awesome. He's so cool. He was a cool guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, they played in Oshawa, actually, with um, Big Wreck a couple years ago at um, the Oshawa Music Hall. And I, I missed it, but I really wanted to go. Oh, that's too bad. Ian Thornley did, I think, that same weekend, like a guitar clinic at Long McQuaid and Pickering um, did some stuff. We went to that. You well, and Dylan? I did. Oh. I did. I saw Ian Thornley. I thought you were there, too. Uh, I don't a remember couple that. Years ago. It was a couple years ago, yeah. yeah. A while ago. Um. Yeah, speaking of Lights, I was actually going to pick um, Midnight Machines is Lights' newest album. It's um, acoustic renditions of a lot of the songs off Little Machines, um, which I thought was really good, but I actually went with um, a bit more rock album. This week, I've been listening to Switchfoot a lot and the new album, uh, Where the Light Shines Through. Um, there's a really cool song called uh, Bull in a China Shop that starts with this really like screechy guitar line. Um, check that out on iTunes, Bull in a China Shop by Switchfoot. But that whole album is really cool. And uh, I found out that they used a lot of the new GHS pedals, like the 500 series preamps on that. If uh, that's something you care about at all, they just put out some videos with... Um, I really like GHS pedals and the products they make, but they've been making a lot of uh, like recording gear lately. And uh, a lot of the sounds got used on that album. So I thought that was a cool thing. That album was my favorite album of 2016. Oh, yeah. That like, Air for Free, Reliant K was good. Yeah. Um, the actual song, Where the Light Shines Through, contains my favorite lyrics. Ever? Probably. Really? Like, what, what are those lyrics? Um, uh, it's the scars that make the man. Okay. Yeah. And I just think it's like, just that whole song is really good. Um, there's the other line uh, about the bottle. You know what I'm talking? Is that the very beginning? Uh, no, I don't remember. No, anyway, the, so the just the lyrics in that song are just so fantastic, and like John Foreman, yeah, like is hands down probably my favorite lyricist. Oh, uh, absolutely, especially there? his uh, his acoustic stuff, like his solo albums. Mm. Um, my favorite is from uh, Shadows, is the album, and uh, My Coffin is really good, mm. and. Um, you like Ghost Machine, too. Ghost Machine, you? that's it. Yeah, that's, that, a, that's really a really good song. killer song. Yeah. While we're talking about Switchfoot, yeah. you were there with me when we saw Switchfoot, like, pretty much front stage. Yeah. Which, if anybody ever has a chance to see Switchfoot, I like, guarantee you will love it. Just buy the ticket without even listening to a song, and you will enjoy the show. He likes to climb on anything he can. Um, me and Dylan are actually going to see them with Reliant K and I'm, I'm going. Yeah, oh, Brandon's going, going to. Too? Yeah. Going. Oh yeah, in February. So I guess we're all going to see. That'll which, be good. Uh, Reliant K and Switchfoot. That's a good bill. Absolutely. I think uh, we'll definitely have to do like an after-show episode, like review kind of thing. Yeah, oh, just talking cool. about our experience. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. One more album I've yeah. been listening to a bit. It's not necessarily a rock album. It's a a hip-hop album that is actually very um, just different with music. Dylan listened to it, actually really liked it. I know he's not huge into hip-hop, but it's Childish Gambino, um, Awaken My Love. There's a lot of old like gospel kind of um, samples in it that just make that album sound so good. Cool, man. So this is just going to be a quick wrap-up of uh, the albums. It was This Might Get Loud, the documentary on Netflix. Uh, Jesse had uh, the album by 10 Second Epic. What was the name? Better Off. Better Off. And then I was uh, Where the Light Shines Through by Switchfoot. So yeah, that brings us to our next segment, which is uh, talking about what got us into music. Um, Brandon, do you want to start? Yeah, I think the first thing that really got me into wanting to play music, um, I was at a camp and there was this camp counselor that had this really heavy band on 
in the cabin. Um, it was something I'd never heard before. It was like a screamo band. And uh, I grew up in church listening to like Christian tame music that was, you know, nothing over the top. But there's this one lyric that was slit wrist sleeping with the girl next door. And I thought, wait a minute, that's like, that's different from what I've ever heard. I thought it was kind of cool. Mm -hmm. So I went home after camp and like I Googled those lyrics and it turns out it was a song called A Boy Brushed Red Living in Black and White by a band called Under Oath. And uh, I think that album, it's uh, They're Only Chasing Safety, came out in 2004. Totally changed my life. It made me want to perform music. I would watch Aaron Gillespie was the drummer of the band. And uh, he just hit those drums so hard. Yeah, I and I thought that was like, that was cool. So I, I started watching all these YouTube videos of, you know, Aaron Gillespie drumming. And I found out he played another band called The Almost after, you know, a few years after that. And I just started, you know, teaching myself how to play the drums, teach myself how to play guitar, um, you know, learning Under Oath songs and other, you know, rock songs. So I think that song, A Boy Brush Red Living in Black and White, was the first thing that really got me into wanting to play music. Um, the second thing that really got me into it was actually um, Jesse and Dylan's dad, uh, Murray, had been playing in a band that I always heard about um, called UIC. There was a band called Positively Stompin'. Um, in the later years, there was a band called The Chickens. And uh, they'd always tell me about, you know, their dad used to tour and play shows. And, like, I thought that was cool. So I remember we were getting together at some time to jam and uh, he was telling me about the different parts of the drum. You know, this is a rack tom, this is a floor tom. And uh, I, I wanted to play the drums. I thought that was cool. You know, Aaron Gillespie played the drums. He was cool. So I started, you know, putting the drum kit together, learning the parts. You know, I started with that 4-4 that four, four beat that everyone knows. That's the only thing any, you know, beginner drummer can play. I could barely play that. And uh, <laughs> I just started giving her. I, I, I got, you know, a really crappy drum kit from like walmart do you still and, have it uh, yeah i still have i've never bought another drum kit for any of you who are on the youtubes um brandon actually has a drum solo at our old house and he goes crazy at one point <laughs> um it was really cool and he actually broke a dish in our drawer across the house in the kitchen because he was playing so hard you're going to have to share that on the Facebook page. Find it and share it. Find it, yeah. I, I, I saw that. Um, it really isn't anything to brag about. It's just me, like, beating the crap out of a drum kit. But I thought it was cool at the time. I'm sure anyone that actually plays the drums could tell me that all my technique is bad and <laughs> whatnot. But, uh, yeah, th those things were, I think, for me, the biggest things that really got me into obviously you know albums like Nevermind Nirvana and other other stuff like that that I as I started learning about rock music and Zeppelin and bands like that made me want to play music and be on a live stage and you know in front of a crowd and perform um, I think just as anyone does when they learn about music so that for me was the two biggest things that got me into my love for music yeah I guess I can uh, I can go next um so probably the biggest thing that got me into music, like the most, um, the thing that had the most influence, um, was definitely like this fueled jealousy. Um, there was these two kids, uh, in my music class in grade eight. And, um, I mean, everyone had to pick an instrument. So like at the beginning of the year, I got stuck with the worst one, which was trumpet. And like, it's not easy to play and it's doesn't sound very good if you don't know how to play it properly. Yeah. I had to play trumpet too. Um, I wanted to play the drums and I asked my teacher if I could switch and they're like, ah, you're just going to be a, a trumpet player. <laughs> but trumpet. Um, yeah. So these two kids and they would always play guitar. I'm like, Oh, that's pretty cool. You know, they were popular kids. I'm like, Oh, I want to be popular. So maybe I'll learn how to play guitar. And I'd never done it before. And, um, we had an acoustic at our house. I mean, my, as Brandon mentioned, my dad was a drummer and, so, you know, music has always kind of been around the family. And so um, I went home and I, like, just kind of tried riffing on the acoustic. And uh, eventually I got up the courage to ask my dad. I said, um, you know, I'm thinking about playing guitar. So maybe, like, you know, I could get a guitar for my birthday or something. And he's like, yeah, that, that's I'm fine with that, whatever. Now, this is, like, in, like, March. And my birthday is in September. So eventually I convinced him 
that I want a guitar now before the school year ends and then I end up in high school and I'm the dweeb who doesn't know how to play guitar going into high school. Um, so I think he was expecting to pick up like the starter Stratocaster kit, like the Squire one that comes with like the little Squire toaster amp. Um, but somehow I convinced him into buying me like a $400 Les Paul Studio Epiphone. And as like displeased as he was, I probably played that thing every day. And like I brought it into class a couple times, much to my teacher's displeasure, because he's like, you can't play guitar, you're a trumpet player. Um, but yeah, like from there on out, um, I just, I practiced every day. I started taking lessons from a good friend of mine. Um, and, um, that's probably the, like the biggest thing that got me into music, but, but definitely like music itself, uh, like led me to play the guitar. Um, I mean, there's always the, the guitar hero thing, you know, the, the dream of playing up on a, on a stage. And I remember having guitar hero. I'm like, wouldn't it be cool if I didn't have to play on like a plastic guitar, if I could actually play guitar. You wanted to be in Spinal Tap That's so right. bad. Oh, Spinal Tap's such a good band. Um, yeah. And I think like, like you said, like albums, like nevermind. I mean, I got into Nirvana more in high school, but, um, definitely, uh, Definitely my love of music was was what got me into playing guitar. Cool, man. How about you, Jesse? What, what got you into wanting to become a musician? Um, I'd say, like you all said, my dad. Fortunately, I've, I grew up in a family that was very passionate about music. My mom, too. She never played an instrument, but she is a diehard music fan, likes all the bands that are just great. Um, but yeah, back to my dad. When I was, I don't know how old was I, uh, I was a bit younger than Dylan, I think, when I started playing music. I started on the drums, because my dad was a drummer, so he'd get me in the basement, you know, practicing four on the floor. Um, so he, yeah. He'd lock the door, right? Like, yeah, he would had lock to play. the door, and he'd turn up the heat very high. <laughs> turn the lights off? Yeah. And no, he'd flicker the lights, and he, if every time I got off beat, he would take a spatula and just, you know... Um, and look where you are now. Exactly. I'm still a terrible drummer, so his methods clearly did not work. Um, but no, I, uh, I just always really enjoyed the sound of music. Um, probably one of the biggest inspirations, um, I started listening to was Blink-182. I'm a huge punk pop fan. Um, I actually remember, um, getting my first CD from my dad's band, uh, guitar player, his son had a live album of the um, Mark Tom and Travis show by Blink Twenty Two, and I listened to that, and I just fell in love. Even though they are very um, vulgar, yes, that's the word. They're just I really liked. I could relate a lot to the music about growing up as a teenager. Because you only listen to Chris Tomlin now, right? <laughs> yeah, no, it's David, Michael W. Smith and Chris Tomlin. Um, <laughs> For the record, the Out of Tune podcast does not endorse showing your children like live Blink-182 shows. No, That's, that's never. a horrible, horrible idea. I was idea. seven years old when I first saw Blink-182, and my parents regretted it every day after, because... There was something said that I didn't know about yet. Yeah, you learned some new words. Oh, Jesse for sure. learned how children are made. Oh, that too. <laughs> um, but getting back to on topic, um, I don't know. Like, just I really enjoy just listening to music in the car. If you both these guys know me, I'll sing every lyric even though I don't know them. Um, <laughs> I'll just jam along to music I don't know, try to make up lyrics, whatever. Um, but yeah, I just have always enjoyed music and I probably have the widest range of music here just because they're not into a lot of stuff I'm into, like hip hop and stuff like that. Dwight Yoakam. Yeah, Dwight Yoakam. Um, you know, yeah. Right on. Okay, so we're going to move on to our next topic, which is uh, favorite lyrics uh, we've written. So for I have two um, and they're both... Uh, songs that have actually been played by the band. Um, and after uh, I, I say them, I say the, both the song title and the lyric, um, we're going to put in like a little snippet of that song, of that lyric. And um, just keep in mind that they weren't recorded in like the best studio. And um, yeah, so they're a little like low quality, but 
yeah, just keep that in mind. Um, so yeah, the first song is uh, Fire, which is a song that Brandon and I wrote together one year at Kingdom Bound. Um, that was like probably four years ago or something, would you say? Yeah, probably about four years ago. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just really like the chorus in that. Um, we were trying to do like a, um, a, I guess you could say switch footy thousand foot crutch type thing where our songs can kind of have a double meaning and we, we wanted to sort of, um, bring, um, our like Christian lives more into our lyrics, which was important for us. So the, the lyric for, um, the chorus for fire goes, show me your fire, spark some life back into me. Let me see your fire. Show me who I'm supposed to be. And um, I just really like that lyric. Um, I can't remember if it was me or you who came up with it, but we definitely wrote most of that song together. Um, yeah, so I, I would just say that's probably my number one. Cool. So here's the chorus of uh, the original demo for Fire. Show me your fire Sparks the life back into me Let me see your fire Show me who I'm supposed to be Show me your fire Sparks the life back into me Let me see your fire Yeah, so that was fire And, um yeah, I just I really like those lyrics. Um, so my next song would probably have to be a, a song called "Don't Cry," which, oddly enough, Brandon and I both wrote together. Man, did I ever do anything by myself? Well, Seriously. I'm just so talented. Wow. <laughs> um, well, I wouldn't go that far. Either way, um, so the, again, it's another chorus. Um, although I do like the verse for this song, just the chorus really stands out to me. Um, because I wrote it when, like, two people who were very close to me in my life were going through a really hard time. And um, I just think that the, the chorus really speaks to them, which is, uh, fall into my arms, I'll catch you. I know just what you've been through. The tougher times are yet to come, so don't cry. The lyric was actually, the hardest times are yet to come. Well, it was supposed to be the toughest times are yet to come, and then when you sang it, you did it wrong, so... I just thought I'd let you know. It's that. very unlike Brandon to be wrong, though. Yeah, Brandon's never wrong. Well, Jesse, you all—you're um, always telling me how I'm right about everything. So t- t- today, Junior. <laughs> wow. All right, so Jesse, uh, what are your favorite lyrics uh, from Hollow Body songs? Um, two of my favorite lyrics. I'm pretty sure Brandon wrote both because Brandon's a very good lyricist. Um, what about me? So, like I said, Brand's a very good lyricist. <laughs> um, one of the songs was, um, um, it was called I Fell in Gr- Love with a Girl at a Supermarket. That song. Um, yeah, tell a was, bit about the song before. It's I not like a, like, I wasn't writing it to be serious. It was more of a joke song. I was, I don't know, pretty young and I was in some grocery store and the girl that was at the cash was pretty good looking. So I figure why not write a song about a girl that works at a supermarket? So anyways, I like, like I Brandon said, it's not really a serious, serious song. And that's how I take the lyrics too. I just like the aspect around it. It was, I fell in love with a girl at the supermarket. I fell for her when she said paper or plastic, paper or plastic, I'll always look into her eyes and see everything I need. And I fell in love with a girl at the supermarket. That's when I knew it. Fell in love with a girl at the supermarket. But for her when she said, paper or plastic, paper or plastic. I'll always look into her eyes. I'll see everything I need. Fell in love with a girl at the supermarket. Um, another song that I really like, um, is called The Sound, probably my favorite song by us. Um, and the lyrics are, I don't know just what I'm hearing. It's got to be the sound of a generation moving forward instead of towards the ground. And I'm not being selfish. I just like the bass in that song. It's got a cool riff. Um, and yeah, that's probably my two favorite lyrics that Brandon has wrote. They're, uh, it's not a bad songwriter, okay? No. No, he's not. Mr. Grohl could take some lessons. No, I'm not saying that. that. He's a bad <laughs> no, songwriter. No, I don't know about either. that. But. I don't know just 
I'll go into, um, I think my favorite lyrics that happen to be ones I've written. Um, I do quite like writing music with Dylan though, but the first one we, thanks man, we haven't recorded yet, but I'd like to, um, it's called message in a bottle. Mm. Um, the lyrics for the chorus go, where can I find the light to keep me lit tonight? Um, cause I can't tell you if I'm dead or if I'm alive, I'm under lock and key. Won't you just set me free? Treat me of this disease. Cause I'm a message in a bottle. And, uh, those are some lyrics that I really like. And then the second one, um, the second one comes from a song called Hand in Hand. And uh, that one's about a relationship that didn't go quite as planned. And uh, the lyrics um, in the verse go, Cops and robbers will be the games we'll always play, but uh, we'll be hand in hand before the sun goes down again. And I think that one, um, it's not about me personally, but I think it's... Um, just speaks to you can have everything can sound really good um but in reality you're just playing a game it's not really worth putting the effort into anymore um but then when you go in front of people and you try and make it look good you know we'll be hand in hand again um you know it's something that needs to end but you don't want to admit it can i uh, can i take one of my answers back yeah I'd have to say my favorite <laughs> lyrics that you've ever written would have to be the song All Right Now. Brandon actually wrote the phrase, the birds and the bees, into a song, and it's fantastic. <laughs> it's so good. That's another one we haven't recorded. We gotta, we gotta do some demoing again. Yeah, Jesse doesn't like that song, though, but that's too bad for him. What so, um, here's... Uh, All Right Now. Here's the verse for Hand in Hand for those lyrics. So we're going to be going to our weekly topic, the This Day in History, where we look back on uh, today's current date, which is January 13th, 2017. And we're going to be looking back on things that happened on this day in history throughout the years. So uh, I'll start off with 1963. The Beatles recorded a TV appearance on the ABC television program, Thank Your Lucky Stars, in Birmingham, playing their new single, Please Please Me. The show was broadcast on January 19th. Okay, and I'm going to tell you, in 1967 today, Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr both went to the Bag O'Nails Club in London, England, and they went and seen the Jimi Hendrix experience, which is pretty cool. 1968, Johnny Cash played a show which was recorded for his forthcoming live album at Folsom Prison near Sacramento, California, in front of 2,000 inmates. When released, the lead single, Folsom Prison Blues... Um, an update from his 1956 hit became one of the most famous recordings of his career. That's a cool one because I was at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland and uh, they have outside it now Johnny Cash's tour bus and you can like go inside it and That's you don't see it. It's, um, it's cool. I Brandon could probably say this too, but Johnny Cash is probably one of my biggest inspirations of music. Um, probably one of the best songwriters, I think, in my opinion. Um He's just amazing. Do you know what his nationality was? What? Well, I'm asking you. Oh, I don't know. What country was he from? The States. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, I thought it was going to be like something strange that you asked me that question. So I'm like, well, it's probably like um, Slovenian or something. It's Slovenian. Today in 1978. With a budget of only 1,500 pounds borrowed from Stuart Copeland's brother, Miles Copeland III, the police started recording their debut album at Surrey Sound Studios in Surrey, England, with producer producer Nigel Gray. The album, Outlandos to Armour, which was released in November of the same year, featured the hits So Lonely, Roxanne, which is such a good song, and Can't Stand Losing You. Wow. That's deep. We should cover Roxanne. We should. <laughs> you don't think he can do it? You can hit those highs. Come on, man. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Don't doubt yourself. Let's take a look. In 2010, this one will speak out to Jesse a lot. Beyonce and Jay Z were named Hollywood's top earning couple by Forbes magazine. The pair earned an estimated $122 million between June 2008 and June 2009, more than any other couple married or unmarried. 
Some people just have way too much money. <laughs> Tell me about it. So now we're going to chat a little bit about um, gear. This would be, I guess, the segment gear talk. Um, but today we're going to be talking about like our first setups. So for me, I mentioned it before. Um, my first guitar was a black Les Paul Studio 2. It's an Epiphone. Uh, and my first uh, amp was like a little mini ch- uh, trainer toaster amp. Um, and like it didn't sound very good at all. So um, all it had was like a clean setting and then you press like this little white button and it went right into distortion. So, I mean, <laughs> I kind of had to work with what I what I had. But eventually um, I did get a pedal, which was... Um, was it the DS1? It's uh, the Boss Distortion, like the basic distortion pedal. Which you just sold I an just hour sold before today. we recorded the podcast. Yeah, it's pretty great. Um, and that's the only like of my firsts that I will sell. Um, other than my amp. I guess I, t- I sold my first amp. My first amp was, um, I think, a Line 6 Spider 4. And I mean, you know, it got me through playing shows and whatnot. But it didn't sound the best. But now you've upgraded to a big boy amp. So what do you what are you using guitar wise now? So Don't right you? now I actually have two guitars. Um, now those are not the only guitars I had. I I've had. Uh, right now I'm playing a Squire Jaguar. Um, I guess you would call that a sunburst finish or a triburst. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. Um, and um, Though I haven't really got a chance to play it live or anything, I do have an SC Guitar 1. Um, yeah, which is like the underling company of uh, Paul Reed Smith. And it's like just like a solid body guitar. Like there's, it's all one piece of wood. It sounds really good. It's got a P90 pickup in there. Um, yeah, I think that's my favorite guitar that you have. Yeah, it does sound really good. It's, it's very, very powerful. Um, I have a video game that I can play uh, guitars, uh, I can play with my guitar, and it, like, breaks the speaker on my TV. Like, it's too much for it. So, I don't play that as often as I should, but uh, for pedals, actually, my pedal board's out. Where is it? An Ice 9 Overdrive by Vox. Um, I just bought that, what, like, three months ago, maybe? Yeah, I went out with Brandon, and we were looking at pedals, and we were trying between that and something else. I think it was, like, a... A Line 6 pedal or something. Definitely was not a Line 6 pedal. Oh, no, it was an Ernie Ball. It was a Neve pedal. Neve? Oh, that's right, because I was going to get it. But then we decided this one was better. And um, I have a Jimi Hendrix signature wah pedal, which I was also going to sell, but Brandon talked me out of it. You know, I don't really use it, but whatever. Uh, I just bought um, a, what was it called? The Eventide Time Eventide, Factor. Eventide, yeah, Time Factor Delay. Um, I mean, Brandon has one, and I've actually played with it a couple times, and I love it. It's a really, really great pedal. Um, and I also have a Line 6 M5, which is just like, it's got so many different effects on it. I, I mainly use that for delay before I got this pedal. Um, but I'll use it for some cool mod effects. Um, it's got a couple really uh, nice reverbs on there that I use for um, my soundscape kind of music. So, yeah, I, re- I really like my setup right now. I'm happy with it. Cool. Jesse, what do you use, and then what was your first kind of musical setup for bass? So my first musical setup was I had a Washburn Oscar Schmidt um, bass. It was just a four-string, solid blue-colored bass. Um, was okay. It didn't really... wasn't really cared about the sound at that point when I was young. I just kind of uh just kind of picked up and started playing. Um an amp, I think I had like just a small um squire amp when I first started. Uh didn't really start with any pedals. Um I'm a bassist so I didn't really need many. Just he's a tone purist. Yes. Um so after that I bought a Squire P bass a little bit after. It's I really like that bass, just the finish. It's a white with a black pick guard, um, with a light colored, uh, light like natural pine stain on the neck, and I really like that. Um, it's actually a rosewood. 
No, it's just natural pine. On the back, rosewood on the front. I'm talking about like the back of the neck. Yes. Um, And I kind of started getting into effects, not even for like our band, just to kind of play with at home and learn. Like there's a Switchfoot song called um, uh, This Is Life. This is your life. This This is is your life. life. And it's got a cool synth um, effect to it. So I bought a synth pedal to kind of... Uh, play that song. Um, my most recent uh, bass is a Fender P bass. Um, I like the P basses. I'm not a big fan of the jazz basses. I've played them. They're just, I don't know what it is. I like the simple P bass. So, and I've got right now just a big trainer amp. It's just a one speaker, solid. Just it blows your head off. Jazz. Yeah. What does P bass stand for? Precision. Oh, and what was the other one you had? I've only had two. Well, they both. were both P bases? Yeah. Oh, okay. okay I, th- yeah. I thought you had something else. No, there's jazz bass and then there's a P bass. Yeah, okay. I just want to clarify because I, I forgot. Yeah. Um. And so I kind of got into effects. I had a Line 6 synth. I had a Big Muff, which is, if you're a bassist and you like that kind of hard rock overdrive for a bass, a Big Muff is the best thing you can buy. Um, I really love my tuner. It's a poly tuner. I bought it at Guitar Center in New York City. Um, it's actually the one that you can strum all strings at once. Um, what else pedal did I have? I had a compression pedal, which was kind of pretty cool. Um, yeah. So that's my rig right now. Nice. Yeah, I think the first kind of guitar setup I had, I got um, a friend of mine, Dylan Morgan, who who was Dylan's guitar teacher, had an Epiphone SG. Um, my dad bought it for me for my birthday, and uh, I was wanting to learn how to play the electric guitar because for years he was saying, you know, oh, learn acoustic. It's, you know, you'll like it. It's better. But I, I like I said, I listen to Under Oath. There's no electric, you know, acoustic guitars in Under Oath. So I got, um, you know, that SG. You know, a couple of years later, I got um, an Epiphone Les Paul, and I had the two together as my my two stage stage guitars. And uh, I went through, you know, a bunch of Boss pedals. I had like a one of those Marshall like modeling amps that you know never sounds good, and you can never get it quite loud enough. And when did you have an Epiphone Les Paul? I had. It was, I sold it before I bought my Gibson Les Paul. I'm pretty sure it was the exact same as your it's, Gibson. Yeah, it's the exact same. Oh. It was the exact same. He probably like, doesn't finish. even realize that. That's probably why, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so I, 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 um, the first, like, nicer guitar I got was a Fender Mexican uh, 60th anniversary uh, Telecaster, which um, I unfortunately had to sell to pay for school which was super heartbreaking. I don't think you guys understand. Like, I've watched Brandon go in, Dylan go in and out of guitars, get new ones, get better ones. I think this is my favorite guitar they have ever owned. Was the it was a nice red metallic finish, and I, I would have stole it off them and like probably felt no shame about it just because that's how beautiful of a guitar it was I, I told the guy he's a friend of mine who bought it that if he ever wants to sell that guitar i will buy it back from him because i i loved that guitar we wrote, we wrote fire on that guitar we wrote a lot of fun you know songs on that guitar but um right now i'm i have two main guitars that i play uh one is a 2012 les paul traditional so it's super heavy and i don't like fancy straps i like like the cheap polyester or whatever it is straps that really just dig into your neck um so that kind of sucks on a les paul because it weighs like eight or nine pounds or something and then uh actually just like a month or so ago i got um one of the new fender american professional telecasters um it's got a humbucker in the bridge and then um like a tele single coil in the neck and uh, sounds real good. I play an orange 80-30 combo. Um, I really like orange amps. JHS pedals, a big fan of them. 
as well as uh, you know even tied time factor like Dylan was saying. It's uh, a dual delay, so I run two delays at once. One's uh, a quarter note and one's a dotted eighth note, and uh, together it sort of makes like a galloping sound. Um, kind of the edge sort of sound like where the streets have no name is uh, sort of an idea of what my delay sound sounds like. Um, other than that, lots of reverb, lots of drives, and uh, that's what I use for, for amps. So we're going to be talking about um, probably one of the hardest questions you can ask a musician. Um, it's if you were trapped on a desert island, what would be the five albums that you would bring? So Jesse, why don't you start off? Um, what are the five albums that you would bring? The five albums I would bring on a desert island. First off, I actually bought the vinyl today. I didn't have the vinyl of it before, I know. Um, is Take Off Your Pants and Jacket um, album by Blink-182. Came out in, like I think, 2001. Um, that uh, album really changed my life. Um, there's a song that got me through a lot called Stay Together for the Kids. Um, that's probably one of my favorite songs in the world. Um, another album is Ill Communication by the Beastie Boys. Um, Ill Com- uh, just the Beastie Boys in general, probably hands down one of my favorite groups. Um, another one would probably be I gotta go with uh, Reliant K and uh, Two Lefts Don't Make a Right, but Three Do. That's a good one. That's a good album. Oh, another Reliant K maybe. Mm-hmm. That's a great album. So there's, what's that, four? It's four. Uh, I'll only do the one Reliant K. So another one. Which one is it? Two Lefts. Two Lefts? Yeah. It's a good. great album. You can wear your, your pink tux to the prom. Yeah. <laughs> Looks like Duran Duran. Um, What's wrong with Duran Duran? Nothing. You look like Duran Duran, Dylan. Go ahead. Another album. Hmm. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of favorite bands right now. Just, the, the plane is leaving for the album pretty soon. Oh. For, for the <laughs> island. You need to grab them quick. Okay. Um, probably Folsom Prison Blues by Johnny Cash. That's That's a great one. And I'm going to have to go, it's more recent, um, just the production on the album, everything, um, Lon Rubin's drums on the album are insane, uh, Paramore, self-entitled album. I love that album. I'm surprised you didn't say like Dark Horse by Nickelback. <laughs> oh, uh, Nickelback, <laughs> definitely hands down the <laughs> best band in the world. Um, maybe if I was lying, please, please don't mean that. No, there, if anybody likes Nickelback, please stop listening to the podcast. Um, yeah. Sweet. Um, my five albums are going to have to be, they're only chasing safety by under oath. Mm. Um, maybe Jesse and I can get neighboring islands or something so we can share. Yes. We got pretty similar um, Yeah, because if my needle breaks, I'm going to need to use your record player. Well, I'm probably not going to bring a vinyl player because that's oh. not as reliable. Oh, okay. Well, but, um, yeah, well, so... You don't get that raw sound. They're only chasing safety by Under Oath. Um, Live at Folsom Prison by Johnny Cash would definitely have to be um, there at Led Zeppelin 2 for 100%. That's a good one. I have that original vinyl on See, Jesse, you don't listen to enough good music. That's a good one. Um, Foo Fighters Wasting Light would have to. That's a fairly new one. That came out in 2011, Um, but that one would come out. And a cool thing about that album, actually, um, (laughs) Jesse, you lost this, is when they, they recorded the whole thing on tape, and when they gave out the first like batch of CDs, they gave a little piece of the tape with it, which is a really cool collectible. I got a better story. And Jesse lost the little piece of tape. So no. that could have been, hey, hold on, hold on. That could have been Dave Grohl singing in your pocket. It could have and been. And now it's probably in a landfill. Yep. And then my fifth Desert Island album is going to be Nevermind by Nirvana. And this was a hard one. Look, I don't know how I feel about that. I'll be honest. This was a hard one because each, each Nirvana album is a little different. Um, 
I went between Nevermind and In Utero with this one. Um, I really like how dark In Utero is as an album and in lyrically. It's, it's an amazing album. It's a really good album, um, especially in um, Serve the Servants, the lyric. Um, I tried hard to have a father, but instead oh, I had a dad. Love uh, that I lyric. that Kurt Cobain was a really just an incredible lyricist. Um, but I did have to go with Nevermind just because a lot of the songs on that album, like I was saying, made me want to play music. Mm. Like, as cheesy as it is, every time I still hear the intro to Smells Like Teen Spirit, I get pretty excited. Um, you know, and I think of the first time that I heard Smells Like Teen Spirit and in Bloom and Lithium and, you know, Drain You, all these awesome songs. Um, Drain You is probably my favorite song on that album. Yeah, yeah I'd, like, I'd agree, yeah. Um, or I'm Lounge sorry Act. for interrupting, but if you guys actually check out YouTube, there's a video of Butch Vig, who actually um, recorded the album, Nevermind, and he shows you how many actually layers of guitars are on Drain You, and you would not believe how much like different guitar tracks are in that song. <laughs> there's two. <laughs> oh, is there? <laughs> no. It's <laughs> like eight. Jesse, yeah. you know the story about that, right? I don't want to get off topic, but it's it's oh, pretty funny. Yeah, he kept telling Kurt that he messed up, Yeah, he really didn't. And he kept making he him wanted, record it. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah it's a little out of tune. And Let's try it again. If you hear the song in the, um, uh, where he goes, you... And he's making it sounds like a train, but it's actually Kurt just hissing in the mic. Yeah, and they brought a bunch of like dogs chew toys to make all those squeaking noises. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's uh, interesting how they made some of those songs. So yeah, those are my five: Folsom Prison Blues, The Early Chasing Safety, Wasting Light, Led Zeppelin Two, and Nevermind. I was actually sorry before Dylan goes, but I was actually listening to the radio the other day, and you know the song. Jane's Addiction, um, where the dogs are barking at Been the caught stealing. Yeah, so they actually brought a dog into the room and yeah. started chasing it around Yeah, and to get those dog barks in them. Like, if, you, if you listen to the original recording, um, at the beginning, you can, oh, it might even be in the radio edit, I'm not sure, but at least on the one that I have on my phone, um, you can hear them bringing the dogs into the studio. <laughs> you can hear like the... Their their tags rustling. It's it's pretty funny. That's cool. So Dylan, what what are your five desert okay. island? So albums? I got I got one that's very similar to you. Uh, so I got Wasting Light by the Foo Fighters. Good choice. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I think this has to be one of my favorite albums of all time. Just every song on there, I, I love. I I don't dislike a single song on that album. Um, not that there's a lot of Foo Fighters songs that is that are easy to hate. Um. Yeah, next would be Elephant by the White Stripes. Classic oh, White Stripes one. album. Like, just really great songs in there. You got um, Seven Nation Army. Um, uh, Black Math. Black Math, yeah. Um, uh, it's, it's true that we love one another. Hardest is, button to button. Hard button. Uh, nope. Is that on there? That's on there, my friend. I thought that was on White Blood Cells. Well, well that only her. adds to the excitement. Um, next would have to be... Uh, I'm going to have to disagree with you on Led Zeppelin 2. Their finest work is physical graffiti. I could listen to the song Houses of the Holy every day for the rest of my life. It is a very good song. It's probably their best song. Next is actually a very recent album, like last year, uh, Where the Light Shines Through by Switchfoot. Um, I don't know. If I I need an album that can mellow mellow me out, but also kind of get me in the mood for something... That's the album right there. And because I need um, something to really mellow out to and... and um, <laughs> Stop. And, <laughs> and uh, I need a grunge hit. So I picked um, MTV Unplugged by Nirvana. Yeah, I respect that. Yeah, it's so good. Like I, um, Just like all their best hits in acoustic form... And I think that their cover of um, Where Did You Sleep Last Night by Lead Belly could be one of the finest covers ever done. I also like The Man Who Sold the World. Yes, the David that's Bowie a cover. very, very good cover. Yeah. I mean, there's quite a few covers on that album. Yeah. But I, yeah, I just think Kurt's final send-off was Where Did You Sleep Last Night. Like That was one of the last live shows they ever played. And 
it's just kind of haunting to listen to sometimes. And I like that. A cool thing about, I'm not sure if I've shared this with you at all before, but um, obviously the whole, the, the set is a full band. Um, Dave, Kirst, um, yeah. Kurt, and Pat. Mm-hmm. Um, but originally, up until like 10 minutes before they actually recorded it, Kurt was considering doing it with no drums at all. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it wasn't until almost like before they hit record that he actually agreed to let Dave play. Um, and I think it's really great because Dave girl did do a lot of the harmonies in, uh, in Nirvana, especially, mm-hmm. um, so- something in the way you can hear the high, the high harmony. Oh, is that him? That's him. Yeah. Okay. Like in the original recording or the live everything. Yeah. It's really? him on the album. I didn't know that. I think, Kurt was the soul of that band, but I don't think they would have been as big if Dave wasn't in it. I think Dave can, even though he wasn't on many albums of well, Nirvana, he was on two. He was on two, and they had a lot of drummers before. Actually, three. Yeah, they had a lot of drummers before, before that, like Spinal though. Tap. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and they had a lot of drummers before. I just, I think he brought that band something that they didn't have originally and it kind of blew up yeah i agree you can definitely hear the difference between albums like bleach i don't think there's a a drummer that yeah Yeah, i I don't think there's there's a drummer drummer that hits his drums harder than dave maybe aaron gillespie or um or murray haywood no uh (laughs) what's his face from thousand of a crutch Steve, oh, Augustine. Steve Augustine. Yeah, yeah like he, he likes to hit he his. crushes the drums. Yeah. If you guys ever um if you guys want to go on YouTube and uh what is it drummer that uh drummer at the wrong gig. Drummer at the wrong gig. gig. That's how Chris Augustine looks when he plays. Yeah, he he gives her Moving into our, our, we're getting close to the end of the podcast, but moving into one of our final segments. Um as we hinted at the top, we're going to be doing a tour story. And uh, this one is about me getting caught in a tornado. Um, it was, I believe it was in the spring of 2016, but I was out on tour and we were in um, about an hour outside of Chicago in Illinois, heading to Michigan for a festival called Big Ticket Festival. And uh, we, we heard from another tour manager friend of ours who was at O'Hare um, Airport in Chicago that there's some really bad, you know, like, weather and winds and there'd been you know a chance of tornadoes and stuff so we didn't have a lot of internet or like data left on our phone so we went over to like a wendy's just to get some internet and track it and uh myself and anthony who who was playing drums for the band at the time you know we're outside running around watching the skies and you know taking gopro videos it was really cool but uh it was cool until we heard the tornado sirens which honestly scared the crap out of me because they were super close and they're super loud. And like, it's, you know, the rain's coming a little bit and the skies are dark, but you can see like the flashes of lightning that are like not that far away. So we ran to the Wendy's and the staff had locked the doors for, I guess, for whatever reason to keep them from flying open everyone had gone into the bathrooms so i called one of the guys and like hey like you gotta open the door like there's a tornado coming and like i guess as if he wouldn't know that and we went in so we're all inside the men's bathroom all the power's out at the wendy's and i we hear like a shaking and we look out the window and you can see the actual tornado go right around the Wendy's and like the, like the glass of the windows is flexing back and forth. The place is shaking. I heard someone goes, Oh great. We're done. And as soon as they said, we're done, I honestly thought maybe we're not going to make it out of here. <laughs> and cause like we could see the tornado 20 feet from our face, which was probably the scariest thing I've ever seen. And after the first one went, we went outside to like take a look at the damage and like, there was a gas station across the street that had like the little thing you drive under, like tipped over. There was like a diesel tanker got tipped over. The wall around the dumpsters was just destroyed. There's like so much damage around us, but we were okay. And then they said there might be another tornado coming. So we had to like, we couldn't drive away. I ripped off the emergency hatch off the tour bus. Everything was just not ideal. And uh, so yeah, that's probably 
my most like scariest tour story getting trapped in a tornado and the solution if you're ever in a tornado find the closest wendy's (laughs) because they will give you free frosties after when the machine loses power really well they offered oh (laughs) i Um, mean it's no it's no mystery that dave thomas has constructed the most indestructible bathrooms well there's no basements in illinois so we couldn't even go to a basement wait like like at all well, I'm sure they're not like at all, but like <laughs> basements there's very are actually... few basements in Illinois. Well, no, it 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 is a fact that like in, in like some California neighborhoods that they're just like there's no basements. Yeah, they just don't. No, in yeah. Illinois, it's actually a, a penalty to have a basement. You actually get, I think it's three. It's, no, it's the death penalty. Yeah, it's the death yeah. penalty. <laughs> um, I just gotta. I know we're moving off, trying to get done, but I have a quick story about one day we were going to London excuse me, to play a show in London. I forget what bar it was called. Um, Norma Jeans. And we were playing a show there that night, and we were just going to get on the road early so we could get some food, you know, wouldn't have to rush by the time we got there to set up and stuff. So we get our uh, car, the trailer on the car, put all our gear in the trailer, and we were leaving mine and Dylan's house, and we turned we got out of our driveway, turned onto a, a street, left on a street, and we were going down a hill, and the car died. Like, right away. Oh, like, it was, we were in the car for about 50 seconds. Whose car, car was this? Um, Dad's. Oh, okay. And we were in the car for about 50 seconds, and we're going down a hill, and next thing you know, it's, it's done. And we're like, oh, just leaving for a show, you know trying to be there early so stuff like this wouldn't happen or if it did we could get it done quick so we went to i think it was like a metro timmy's plaza and so we kind of just pulled in there i called my older brother mine and dylan's older brother and was like hey uh can i kind of use your car to drive to london like today he's like yeah sure when do you need to buy i was like well like half an hour ago because we were trying to leave for london right now so he brought it by we put the hitch on and i think that car died too but then we got it starting again yeah there was something yeah i was getting ready to call the promoter and be like yeah we're not gonna make yeah, it yeah but we we made it we i think we probably did a good job <laughs> but yeah it was uh there's some if you guys are in a band there's always fun times i remember us um sitting in a crawl space under <laughs> Um, my in my house eating food that was supposed to be for the full family, but we just kind of dug in the boxes and kept eating like what is it, cream of mushroom soup and like all just, the rice krispies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, See, those were those were good. The thing is, is just quickly, I don't remember that happening on the way to London <laughs> show. Like I must have gone separate because I literally have no memory of that. Maybe you went up with Megan or something. I don't even think he had a license. No, I must. My mom went, so. Another quick thing is uh, at brand practice at my old house, we used to do this thing. Well, I started it, I think. And I used to, everybody, when we would practice, everybody would be like, oh, I want a water. And I'd be like, oh, okay, I'll go grab you guys water. And I was seriously trying to be nice one time and get everybody's water, but. I'm a horrible person, and I I looked out of the corner of my eye as I'm getting everybody water, and I see a bottle of vinegar, and I'm like, huh, Uh. huh, okay. So I got four glasses. Three of them had water. One had vinegar, and I didn't know which one did. I could have got it, but luckily I gave it to Brandon, I think, the first time. But there was one time I gave it to Jordan. And if you guys have ever met Jordan, our drummer, he's probably the nicest person you'll ever meet. Portuguese he, Thunder? Yeah, he's not, like, probably the nicest guy ever. And I I gave him the vinegar in his face. There was so much discomfort and <laughs> sadness in that face. The I thing felt- is, when you've been playing, like, we had a pretty small practice space. It got hot. And when you go to grab a water, you're not... Thinking, know, thinking yeah. it's vinegar. You're just taking a drink right <laughs> away. You, Brandon likes to take a chug too. So Brandon doesn't take a little sip and put it down. Brandon likes to down a water, and you can imagine how vinegar getting in your mouth after that, thinking you're about to take a sip of water, can torment it is, you. It is. It is the worst. But Jordan, I felt so bad because I gave him, I gave him vinegar, and he just looked so upset. And Jordan's like the nicest person. As much as we say Jordan is full of hate. <laughs> 
Jordan's the nicest person ever. Shout out to Jordan Mello, our drummer. I think I think it's only bad because Jesse and Dylan and I have known each other for like, I don't know, 10, 11, 12 years, like a long, long time. Yeah. And we've like we grew up together. And then when we met Jordan, um, when we were needing a new drummer, like, yeah, it would have been in high school. Yeah. yeah and he hasn't been there for the whole thing, but we immediately started treating him like he yeah. had been. But yeah, Jordan's, I'm surprised you didn't quit. I'm Jordan's really by far one of the most talented drummers I know. Oh, Jordan is definitely the best musician in our band. No offense to you guys, but like Jordan has the patience of a stalking lion. Like he can just take it and take it and take it and not freak out. So next, we're going to be talking about gourmet cooking on a musician's budget. Steering the ship on this one is going to be our resident chef, Lieutenant Colonel <laughs> Dylan S. Haywood III. Um, wow. Uh, yeah, so last week we talked about um, um, making sushi and miso ramen on a budget. And this week we're going to be doing something a little different. We're going to be talking about craft dinner. Who doesn't like craft dinner? I know you like craft dinner for someone who doesn't like cheese. Everyone likes craft dinner. The bare naked ladies even sing about it in the song "If I Had a Million Dollars." That's right. Um, so what I like to do when I make craft dinner, um, sometimes I'll do something which I actually do call my gourmet craft dinner, and um, the end result is uh, craft dinner with hot dogs, spaghetti noodles. And a little bit of garlic powder to give a kick. So what I do is I usually start cooking the spaghetti noodles before I start the elbow macaroni, and um, it's just it it's a little bit harder to cook, so it just takes a little bit longer. But sometimes, which is kind of fun to do, especially if you have kids or whatever, is you take like five or four or five spaghetti strands and you actually pierce um, cut up hot dog pieces with them. And you sort of attach it all together. So it looks like there's wires running through the hot dogs. It just looks really cool. I know it sounds lame, but believe me, when you eat it, it's like, it's fun for it's some reason. It's the little things that get down. It is the little things, yeah. And so uh, once you have all that cooked, you just add your cheese powder. Um, I don't use butter or milk. I know some people find that really weird, but it's I think it's weird when you use it because it tastes like wet cheese and there's nothing good about wet cheese. And then I just like to add a little bit of... um garlic powder to that and it just gives it a little extra flavor other than powdered cheese so uh, i think i've actually made it for brandon a couple times yeah definitely it's been a long time though yeah do you prefer anything in your craft dinner like i like ketchup and some yeah, people find I definitely, that weird um ketchup is a must for craft dinner yeah um peas are also good really i've also um chopped up meatballs and mixed hmm. it all in um, that actually sounds really good. I think I prefer the meatballs over the hot dogs in my latest version of who I am in my life because <laughs> I've the, the more I think of what a hot dog is, I just I can't do it. That that's a bummer. But yeah, meatballs <laughs> pretty solid. You can get them at IKEA, even solider. But yeah, meatballs, ketchup, not together though. In no. uh, craft dinner and um, peas, peas I, don't, is good. I don't mind president's choice hickory smoked barbecue sauce in it oh it's anything president's choice is yeah good. it's a good alternative to ketchup um one thing i will mention about craft dinner that i've actually experimented with and did not go my way whatsoever never do it it's the worst thing ever uh i tried to make craft dinner with with the cheese sauce but i also added taco seasoning and taco seasoning needs something else to sort of bind it together Otherwise, it's just awful dry noodles. It's not very good. Don't because well, there's only it. so much water, right? So once you add the spaghetti and the taco seasoning and all that stuff, you're just it's like when you're making soup. Yeah, you know, the noodles need something to reconstitute from. Yeah, but anyway, that is my uh, gourmet cooking for a musician's budget for this week. Great. So thanks a lot for listening to the first full-length episode of the Out of Tune podcast. We're still pretty new to this and working out some of the bugs, so we appreciate you guys uh, sticking with us as we get through this journey. Uh, Jesse, thanks a lot for coming. It was a real pleasure to have you on the podcast. No problem. I would love to come out again, maybe with the whole band next time. Yeah, um, man. We'd love to have you. Yeah. Make sure you check us out on all our social media stuff. It's uh, Out of Tune Pod 
on uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We'll be getting a YouTube page pretty soon, doing some video stuff. So yeah, Dylan, uh, send us off. Yeah, so thanks for joining us again. Uh, We really appreciate the support that you guys have been giving us. Um, If you have any topics for future shows or a song or a band you'd like reviewed, just let us know at um, Attitude Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, So next week we're going to be talking about a couple subjects. One of them will be our favorite stuff from uh, 2016. Um, I know it's kind of late maybe to talk about that, but hey, it's never too late to review music. Uh, and then we'll be talking about our musical guilty pleasures. So that's uh, music that, you know, is maybe not so popular with the masses, but you know what? We like it anyway, because that's the kind of guys we are. Thanks again for listening to the Out of Tune podcast, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.